Uh, hey, we are going to uh, continue our series here, Stranger Things. Um, uh, I, I kind of feel bad if you're a guest this morning. I'm just going <laughs> to be honest with you. Uh, I'm glad you're here, though. Um, but I will say this message is kind of for those of us who do consider Edinburgh Church to be our home. This message is for those of us who consider ourselves to be the people of God. It's, this is a message this morning for those of us who can consider ourselves uh, disciples of Christ, students of Christ, who want to live the way Jesus has called us to. And uh, so we're, we're in this series right now called Stranger Things. Um, and I was thinking about it this week. You know, God himself is a little, well, I shouldn't even say a little. He, he's just, he's a lot. He's strange, okay? Uh, he's different, but not in a bad way. It's, it's in a good way. He, it's part of what the word holiness means. It means unique, set apart, different. And God is that. He is different, okay? Uh, he... Um, is, 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 is unique and, and, and is, is, is the most good uh, being that we can um, imagine, okay? Uh, and he calls us as Christians to be strange as well, to be strange with him, to be set apart, to be holy uh, with him. And I was uh, also thinking this week just how much maybe we all need a little strangeness in our lives. Because I look at the world and I see the, the challenges that the world is facing as it's living according to its own patterns and where that's leading people. And I just think maybe the church, maybe we, maybe we need a little bit of this strangeness in our life. And this morning, we're going to deal with a topic that's not only strange for people outside of the church. I find that this topic is often strange for even Christians, people who make up the church. And we're going to be talking about the topic of giving this morning, okay? And when I talk about giving, I mean financially giving all right, to, to the church. And so if this is your home church, I mean Edinburgh Church. Uh, this past weekend, Danielle's parents watched the kids, and so Danielle and I were free birds. You know, freedom! That's how I'm feeling right now, okay? Love my kids. I'm actually, I did miss them, but it did give Danielle and I a time to just hang out and just be a couple and it gave us an opportunity to go to a restaurant. And so we went to this restaurant. We went to Big Bowl Restaurant. And uh, by the way, amazing food. I mean, just, it was, it was delicious. And we sat down, we had a good time, and we talked, and we ate this delicious food. But then something really strange happened. The waiter brought us this little black book. Have you seen this? And you open it up, and there's like a receipt in there. And it tells you that you owe money. And uh, we're like, did you, did you know about this? D D Danielle said, what? We, we owe them money? It's like all these restaurants want is our money. I, I said, I bet, I bet the manager is living high on the hog taking everybody's money. Right? Wearing these $5,000 sneakers, I bet. And then on top of it, it said a tip. They want us to pay a tip. So we wrote, don't eat yellow snow. That was the... No, we didn't do that. 
And I apologize to all of you who work in the restaurant industry. We did not do that. We paid our bill and we left a really generous tip because these people are working hard. It's a business and we like their food and want to support it. And so we gave. And we all know that when we go to restaurants, we, we, we don't bat an eye when they bring us that black book that tells us we, we owe them money. When you go through the grocery store line, you go to the checkout, right? It's expected that you're going to pay to walk out with the groceries. Now, you might raise your eyebrows because of inflation, right? <laughs> but you realize you're going to have to pay. But for some reason, when we come to church and the church asks for money, it's like, what? The church is asking for my money, and it's a very strange thing, even for those of us who call ourselves okay, Christians. Um, and, I, and I know, I know there's abuse out there. I mean, I know that uh, many of us do think, you know, I've heard churches just want people's money, but the reality is it, it does take money to, to run a church. It just does. Um, I know there is abuse out there. I'm totally aware that. You do see the pastors who are wearing the $5,000 sneakers. I, I've seen it, okay? By the way, my sneakers are not $5,000. You're never going to see that. If I have $5,000, I'm not spending them on shoes. These are from Kohl's. They were having a sale, if you can believe it. I got a good deal on these, all right? And I get it, but, but honestly, and I step back and I think about our circles and Converge and who we network with, I don't know of anyone doing that. I don't know of any pastor wearing $5,000 sneakers. But these are excuses that these are things that we, we like to say because it, it, it makes us feel a little better. Not, not to give, okay? Friends, did you realize that Jesus, Jesus talks more about giving than any other subject? Did you know this? 15% of his teaching is centered around giving, all right? Uh, one out of every seven verses that Jesus teaches has to do with money. And uh, he talks more about uh, giving than explicitly heaven and hell, all right? combined. This was an important issue, uh, obviously, in Jesus' ministry, and because it, it's not so much primarily about money, it, it's because it has to do with our heart, and it has to do with where our heart is. Are we belonging to this world? Are we belonging to the kingdom of God? Okay, where, where, where does our heart reside? Are we trusting in the things of this world, or are we, we trusting in, 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 in God? And, and certainly one of the things that the Bible is going to teach is that we should be generous people, Right? We should be generous in, in, our, in our giving. And this morning, we're going to look at a story where Jesus talks about this. Um, it's, it's one of his parables that he gives that kind of helps us understand why he wants us to give and why he asks us to give money. And this is called the parable of, of the talents, right? The parable of the talents. Now, there's, there's people who uh, recently are trying to change what uh, the talents there, or in our translation, these bags of money represent. I had someone two years ago when I preached on this topic try to tell me that the bags of money represent, like, intimacy, and it represents intimacy with God. And I'm not saying that might not be a part of it, but that's not historically what the talents have represented throughout church history. You can go back all the way to the early church fathers and read what the early fathers were preaching on this topic, and this is for 2,000 years, all right? I, I read a sermon by Chrysostom, and, and he talks about it, and he says the talents represent two things, our abilities and our money, 
our abilities and our mind. This goes back to 300 AD-ish. We're, we're talking about this has been preached. So anytime somebody comes to you and has a new interpretation of Scripture, friends, I encourage you to run, all right? This has been very clear what Jesus is talking about. It's not just money, but the talents represent anything that we can use, okay, to invest in growing God's kingdom. That's what the talents generally are thought to represent anything. Okay, now specifically, I'm going to be talking about uh, money this morning, but I want us to realize it's anything that God has blessed us with that we can use to invest in growing God's kingdom. And so this morning, we're going to look at this story of the talents, and I think there's some principles um, that we can, we can learn that might help us in, in this area. Okay, the first principle I want us to learn from this story as we dive in is we are simply stewards, we are simply stewards. We've got to see ourselves as Christians as simply being stewards. Jesus starts off by saying, uh, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. Pretty common in, in Jesus' day where um, a Roman citizen would entrust his estate, his wealth to his servants, better known as stewards, okay, and then go off to the capital, Rome, and spend months, sometimes even years, uh, for political reasons there. And he would entrust this to his servants, his stewards. So in the story, just so that we understand, the master here is, the man here is Jesus, and the servants, the stewards, are you and me, those of us who serve uh, God. And he is giving us these, he's going to give us his, his wealth, Okay, these talents or these, these bags of, of, of money. And uh, friends, what we need to recognize about this is that Jesus is trying to teach us here everything that we have ultimately it comes from who? It comes from, it comes from God. We've got to understand this. I know in America we like to think we're self-made and we like to think we've worked hard for it. And, we, and that's not untrue. You, you have, but... Who gave you your health? Who gave you your strength? Who gave you your intellect? Who gave you your connections? Who gave you that family that you grew up? I mean, who, who helped you? Okay, we have to understand this all comes from God. We need to be humble in this area of our life. James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights. So friends, it's all God's. We are simply entrusted with it as stewards. We are called to be good managers. And I'm telling you, if some of us made that adjustment, rather than thinking of yourself as an owner, you thought of yourself as a steward, I'm telling you, this might help you in the area of your finances. It might mean you are slower to maybe buy something you shouldn't buy or less likely to go into debt. And as we'll see later, it might just help you bring great joy into your life as you steward the resources God has given you with a generous okay, heart. Okay, so this is the first thing. We are stewards. The second thing I want to see in the story is we are called to be faithful with what we have. Jesus goes on to say to one steward, he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag. Okay, these are the talents or the bags of gold here, each according to his ability. And then he went on his journey. So he 
goes away. This is kind of Jesus talking about his departure from earth. He's in heaven right now. So he's talking about this time we're living in right now. He's gone away, but he's given us these things to steward. All right? I sometimes wonder, uh, you know, why, why does someone have more than I do? I do. I sometimes wonder, why, why does someone have more wealth than I have? I, I can have also found myself, though, wondering sometimes, why does someone else have less than, than I have? I, I found myself thinking that on, on both sides. Um, I don't know what the answer to that is. I don't know. But here's what I do know. Jesus is calling me to be faithful with what I have. To be faithful with what he has entrusted to me. That's what I'm asked to do. And as we read on in the story, what we're going to see is if we will be faithful, if we will just be faithful with what God has blessed us with, we might just find ourselves receiving more. We might just find that God wants to give us more so we can be more generous to others. I don't know if that comes in the form of money, but I do believe God will bless us when we are faithful. Okay? Now, I'm not a, a, a prosperity guy. I don't believe in the prosperity gospel. If you don't know what the prosperity gospel is, it's this belief that, you know, if you give, God's going to give you health, wealth, and prosperity, and he's just going to pour it out on you. And it's almost like they have like a formula for how it works. You give $1, you get X back in return. I don't agree with that. Okay? However, I believe a lot of us aren't in the prosperity gospel, we're in something I think is far more dangerous, which is what I call the poverty gospel. And the poverty gospel is God doesn't bless. God doesn't care. It's always going to be like this. I'm always going to be miserable. That's the poverty gospel. And I'm telling you, this is where a lot of Christians find themselves. And I would argue it is 10 times more dangerous than the prosperity gospel, at least the prosperity gospel, people are living by faith. Many of us, we don't even live by faith. Believing that God is a good God, that he has more resources than we could ever ask or imagine. Do you realize God is a big God? Do you realize he has more than you have? We were at a baseball game with uh, my son who had a baseball game. This is a couple years ago. And... Uh, they had concession stands there. We wanted to get something to eat. And uh, we had just given my daughter, Callie, she was like four years old at the time, we had given her a $5 bill, okay? She had this $5 bill. She was so happy to have this $5 bill. But the concessions only took cash, and we only had a little bit of cash on us, so we were a little bit short of what we, we needed, about $5 short. So we get to the line, like people are waiting behind us, and we're like, we're a little short. I know Callie has this $5. I'm like, Callie, will you give us your $5? And she says, you want my money? <laughs> I, I, I said, yeah, Callie, can you give us your $5? You want to take my money? <laughs> Callie, we will pay you back. And there was this like tug of war with Callie, and she didn't want to give it. We got people waiting. My kids are getting, like, anxious. And finally, Michaela, her sister, says, Callie, if you give us the $5, we'll give you $7. And she said, make it 8 And, 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 and <laughs> so we paid her interest on, on her $5. 
The point is, the point is, $5. $5. For her, $5 seemed like everything. $5, like I can't even part ways with $5. Friends, that's how a lot of us think. You think of your income, you think of your riches. To God, it's $5. If we wanted to, we could shower Callie in $5 bills. That is not a problem for mom and dad to come up with some $5 bills. Okay? Do you realize it's not a problem with God coming up with wealth? It's not a problem with God coming up with more resources for us. But what God is asking and is waiting to see is, are you going to be faithful right now where you are at? That's what I want to see. And that's what I bless. And that seems to be what Jesus is teaching us in this parable. Which brings us to the third point, and this really is the biggest idea of this parable, is that we are expected to invest in God's kingdom, okay? So this is the heart of the, of the lesson Jesus is telling us. We read on in verse 16, it says, The man who had received five bags of gold, he went at once and he put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. Uh, but the man who had received one bag, he went off and he dug a hole in the ground and he hid his master's money. And after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. Uh, the man who had received five bags of gold, he brought the other five. And master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. He got a return. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. And I love this. Come and share in your master's happiness. Uh, this wasn't typical, by the way, of, of masters back then to invite the servants to share in, in their master's happiness. Jesus says he invites us in to share in what he's all about. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. Uh, you have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Okay, then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. Uh, meaning you have entrusted us <laughs> to do this. Verse 25, so I was afraid and I went out and I hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. As master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers uh, so that when I returned, I would have received it back okay, with interest. What's he trying to teach us here? We're supposed to take these resources and we are to invest them. What does he want us investing in? He wants us investing in his kingdom. He is passionate, friends, about his kingdom. And when I talk about his kingdom, what am I talking about? I'm talking about souls. I'm talking about what we sang this morning. <laughs> that hell has lost another one. And we are free. All right. Uh, th th this is about people. Seeing people come to know Christ. He is passionate about this. Um, those of you who were able to make the baptism service last week, how amazing was it seeing those 22 people get baptized? Was that not amazing? Yeah, I mean, we should celebrate that. Friends, that was, that was incredible being out there, being out there with you and celebrating and seeing the baptisms that took place. Most of those, by the way, were children. 
lives here at the church through Edinburgh's children ministry that have been transformed and changed, a Fight for Family initiative, Awana, uh, and people who give their, their time and their resources so ministries like this can, can happen. And we saw the fruit of that as an army being raised up, the next generation, to serve God. That's his kingdom growing right there. We saw youth, youth here who are part of an awesome youth ministry having their lives changed and saying, I'm all in for Jesus. We heard stories uh, from others. We, we, we heard someone say, I, I came into an Edinburgh service and, and the worship music started and, and all of a sudden I just found myself crying. And, and that, that resonated with me um, because when I first became a Christian, a friend invited me to church and I went to church and I remember when the worship music And it was that same thing. I just started bawling my eyes out. I had to go to the bathroom and compose myself. Friends, you understand what's happening? That's not emotionalism. That, That There's something deeper going on. And what it is, it's the Holy Spirit moving when God's people come together and minister to Jesus. The Holy Spirit moves in this place. Do you believe that? Those of you who have tasted and seen, you know what I'm talking about. It speaks to you. It it brings the person who's a sinner, and all of a sudden they start bawling. They start seeing visions of their past, but also visions of their future, of what Jesus wants to do with them. It's powerful. And it happens in this place every week. Someone else got up and said, it's like uh, whenever the pastors get up and they preach, it's like I go home, and it's like... Did it feel like they were just talking right to me? Did you feel like it's like they were talking to me? Friends, that's because we actually have surveillance cameras in your home. (laughs) And we are keeping tabs. No! It is the Holy Spirit. I get excited. This is real. This isn't make-believe. Some of us come in here at church. Oh, I grew up in church. It's something I do. It's just my culture. It's all. It's my family's tradition. It's what I do. No, it's real. Heaven and hell is real. You're going to stand in front of Jesus. That's real. And I wouldn't love you if I didn't challenge you on giving your life to Jesus. It's what we're called to do. Now, you might be kicking the tires on this and going, this dude is crazy. Yeah, it's because you haven't tasted and seen. You haven't been a part of. You don't know what it's like to share in the master's happiness. Friends, that's what this is about. That's what this is about. It's being a disciple being a child of God, and we get the opportunity to give. That's why I invite you into this. I'm not having this message because Edinburgh Church is desperate for your money, okay? That'll happen in like May when the end of the year is coming, all right? (laughs) I'm preaching this message because I want you to share in your master's happiness, investing in his kingdom. And here's what I will say about Edinburgh Church, and I just need to to say this because you guys blow me away. This is a generous church. I love being a part of this church. This is a, every year you guys blow my mind. I'm just like, what? How did we do that? For those of you who don't know, we don't spend all this money on ourselves. Because when we're trying to raise money, you might not know this. Last year, $170,000 went out. Okay? Now, 12000 of that was for Rock the Block. Okay? About 15000 of that was to help some people in need. Do you realize the rest of that? That's missions. We're sending that out to make a difference across the world, not just here. None of that money's going to our building. None of that money's going to staff. It's not going to weekly program. It's going out there to impact the world. Guys, that's what we're about. And here's what I've learned. When we are generous, 
not just as individuals, but as a church, you know what happens? God pours out the blessing and he takes care of us. And I've seen him do it over and over and over. And every year I'm just like, wow, Jesus, how'd you, how'd we do that? You were so good, which brings us to the last point. And Jesus makes this point. It's not your pastor making this point. This is Jesus making this point. He goes on to say, so take the bag of gold from him, the one who hid it and didn't invest, and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. Okay, so this is Jesus teaching us this principle that he rewards, guys, he rewards those who are generous, those who invest in, in his kingdom. I don't know if that's specifically money or not. I don't know. I'm not going to say that. I just know he's good, and he will bless your life when you are generous. This goes all the way back to the beginning of the Bible. What story am I talking about? Cain and Abel. This is all the way back in the beginning. You remember the story? Abel is overseeing the livestock. He's responsible for the livestock. And what does he bring God? I know some of you, you, you like your steak like lean and like well done and no flavor. That is not a steak. That is beef jerky. <laughs> Historically, a steak has fat in it. It's a, give me a ribeye. What does Abel bring God? He brings God the ribeye, the fatty portion. This is the best portion. I'm God. I'm bringing you. I'm ministering to you. This is the best. What did Cain do? Cain brought the leftovers. Cain brought the leftovers. And it tells us what happens. God starts blessing Abel. Abel receives his favor. And what happens to Cain? Cain grows jealous and starts wondering, why don't I receive the blessing? Why am I not being favored? And then he doubles down. And I can't help but wonder if some of us hate this topic of money, get all bitter about it because we have a Cain-like mindset. Guys, it's not good. I encourage you to have an able-like mindset. We're going to bring you, God, our best. Malachi, we see God say this. He says, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? Tithing offerings. He goes on to say, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord. Catch that. Test me in this and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drive their fruits before it ripes, says the Lord. Almighty. And some of you will say, well, isn't that Old Testament, isn't that Old Covenant? Yeah, but look at what Jesus says in Luke 6. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Right, friends, this isn't just Old Testament. This is New Testament. I could show you passage after passage. Listen, I know some of us today... You're saying when something happens, that's when I'm going to start contributing, and that's when I'm going to start being a part of this, this, this church body that I, I come into every, every week and my family's a part of. I, you're, you're, you're holding off. And maybe saying something like, you know, when, 
I get that job, or when I get that promotion, or when I get, you know, win the lottery, that's when I'm going to start giving. Friends, I just want to challenge you, start being faithful today right where you're at. You know, that, that idea of the, 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 the tithe, it literally in the Hebrew means a, a tenth. And my heart isn't to, to, to challenge you to, to necessarily tithe today. I think it's a great number. I think it's a great goal. I think some of you can give more. I think some of you, you right now couldn't. But you maybe could give more than what you're giving. And, and my, my challenge to you would be to go home. This is the best thing I think you can do is just to go home and pray about it. If you're married, go home and pray with your spouse. I think the person who's going to tell you what you should be giving is God. I just want to remind us today because here's where I could tell you so many stories about how God has blessed my life. How he has allowed me to share in his happiness and how I know it has been good for me to be a giver. But that's not what I want to do. I want to remind you, friends, who you are in Jesus. You are not a nobody. If you are in Christ, you need to hear this today. You are a son or a daughter of the Most High God. You have the Holy Spirit in you, and you have been called to serve an eternal, glorious purpose. The things of this world are going to burn away someday, guys. But God's kingdom will remain forever. And that's what we're investing in. That's what we're giving our life to. It's more important than anything happening in Washington, D.C. Politics is going to burn up someday. Jesus' kingdom will never burn up. And you are invited to be a part of that. That's what God has called you into. You're not a nobody. You are a disciple, a follower of Jesus. And in my opinion, that makes you a big deal. So start living like a big deal. <laughs> Don't be a nobody. Be who God has called you to do, to be. Start doing what God's called you to do. And I'm telling you, you will share in your master's happiness. Amen? Let me pray for us. Lord, <laughs> oh. It's so exciting that you invite us in, into ministry God, to partner with you, to see your kingdom advance here, here in this world. And I know some of us, man, it scares us to death to think about giving or upping our, our giving. And I, I'm just going to right now ask that you would just breathe faith into us as a church, Lord. Just, just breathe it into us. In your own way, God, speak to us. Words of encouragement. Let us know that we don't have to hold on to the things of this world, but we can let go and have open hands. And we can truly trust you because you are better. So help us to be faithful in this area of our lives, God. And I would just pray that you'd help Edinburgh Church to continue to use what comes in so that your kingdom can advance here on earth, so that you will be glorified, so that more people will know who Jesus is being set free from hell, 
become children of God with us. We ask this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen.